played by Westbrook. Ginobili for three. Yes! One point lead for San Antonio. Terry, a long three. Bang! Jason Terry gives the Mavericks a seven point lead with 33 seconds remaining. Zippers bring it in. Five seconds to go. Tie game. Seat belts are fastened. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo! Oh my goodness. Welcome to another episode of the Sixth Man Podcast. I believe this is episode three of season two, or actually episode four, because there's an emergency pod that I was not able to be part of. I am your regular host, uh, Mark Satterley, and with me as... Uh, of season two is my other host. Would you like to introduce yourself, Cam? Yeah, uh, Cameron Koenig up here uh, repping the Chicagoland region. Uh, unfortunately, we are without one of the one of our three amigos, one of our regular hosts, uh, Zach Barnett. Um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, I had to remember how to start the show, even though I've been doing it for so long. I just lean on Zach super hard. <laughs> it's it's you know what? It's there's an important thing in podcasting that the that is an important thing in basketball. It's knowing your role. Yes. And you know what? It, Zach is definitely the opener. He is our starter. I am the uh, I am the Kyle Corver sitting in the corner draining threes every now and again when I'm asked for input. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, I do have a do have a Kyle Corver uh, Cavaliers jersey from I believe the seventeen eighteen season. So. Oh man, what a what a legend, Kyle! What a I legend! I think he he's to, he's what is number? Retired? No, I don't think so. I think he might be on Milwaukee. Um, let me look that up really quick. I sorry, everybody listening. I, uh, I, I do remember him. He is worthy my of first experience with, a Wikipedia lookup. <laughs> my first experience with Kyle Porter when he was. When he was a part of the uh, bench mob 1.0, he's Chicago. currently playing for the Milwaukee Bucks, age 39 years. And you know, I think this this kind of leads into a good. We're we are doing this. We have about a a minute and a half left of the Mick uh, Bucks Lakers first quarter. Milwaukee's currently up 31 to 26. Um, have, have you watched this game so far yet, Mark? Have you paid any attention? I haven't really. Um, I, I have it on in the background. We saw there, a couple highlights. We had a really good. Um, I'll pull up the game cast right now. Really good on. reverse layup. Really good uh, drive by uh, Thonis Antetokounmpo, um, who, who was in the game a bit from Milwaukee uh, after Anthony Davis tried to take him to the take him to the house, drew a foul, and then Thonis kind of responded in turn with a nice little breakaway. Um, it's been it's been a back and forth game, but I think. You know, I, I think all three of us kind of had this um, circled as a preview of, you know, kind of what we thought the NBA Finals was going to be. Um, and, you know, this game really hasn't disappointed. It's been back and forth. It's been close. Yeah. I mean, uh, from looking at it, I'm falling all over the game cast because I'm in, uh, in my office area where I don't have a television. Um, but I'm also nice and nice and quiet so I can hear everybody talking. We can record well. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the uh, the game cast, and uh, yeah, 
pretty tight game. Um, let's see. Game leaders, LeBron, or sorry, Anthony Davis and Giannis, which that seems to make sense. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's a four-point game, end of, uh, end of first quarter. Yeah. It'll be, this will be, this will be interesting. I think, you know, both teams are going to want to, are going to want to try and win this. You know, oh, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's definitely a statement sort of mm-hmm. sort of game to where it's like, hey, we intend to be in the uh, NBA Finals and hopefully see you there, maybe. I personally think the Lakers have a better chance of making it than the Bucks, but once again, um, Bucks the past couple seasons have proven that they are the best team in the East, at least during the regular season. So, and you know, speaking of you know the best team in the East discussion, you know, with um, we've had I think now one or two games. Uh, it's still a very small sample size. It's still very early, um, but we are beginning to see how this Brooklyn Nets team is playing with. Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. Um, yes. Obviously, yesterday, double overtime loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers, in which uh, Colin Sexton scored forty points. God, that's a that's a guy who I think people sleep on because he might this might not be his team to where he fully blossoms, and this might just be you know he's he's cutting his teeth on getting in the NBA and uh, really you know developing but I, I see a bright future for him. I once again I don't think it's gonna be at Cleveland. Um but you know, I don't know. He could he could pull a lesser LeBron and bring a Cleveland team, you know, up from the depths of the bottom of the East. So I, I and absolutely I think you saw, you know, the you know the Cavaliers team they had all but one player uh, in double figures. Uh, which who was Isaac Okoro? They had, you know, everybody on that team played 25 minutes or more. Um, they shot 50% from the field, or they shot 50% from three. Um, you know, 51% from the field. We tur- and you know, I, I think you know, as we kind of mentioned, the, these types of games, and like we're saying, it's a very small sample size with this um, big three. In Brooklyn, um, but I, I, I think again we're you're starting to see, you know I, I think you're going to see that, like the blueprint the blueprint yeah, the blueprint uh, and, and see how teams are going to beat Brooklyn. You know they did not get a whole lot of production. <laughs> they 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 don't really bench. play defense at all. No, unfortunately, and I think that's going to be um, I think that could be their really their Achilles heel. It's like they can put yeah. up 130 points, but. If the other team puts up 140 points, then I don't know what you do there. Absolutely, it's, you know we saw like you know Joe Harris had a rough had a rough game from three. Um, I but like, you know Kyrie had 37, Kevin Durant had 38. Was watching Steve, had, I was watching Stephen A. just rip on Kyrie for shooting more than KD and James Harden. Which, I mean, I think it's a fair point. I think you should be probably telling Kyrie to lay off the shooting a little bit so he can defer. I know he's not going to because of obviously the ego is there, but it's like, man, when you have James Harden and Kevin Durant on your team, you don't have to shoot. Be the facilitator. (laughs) Exactly. And I I, I understand that there is a, you know, 
with that team, you can probably afford to defer to the hot hand. And if Kyrie was the hot hand, yeah, you know, uh, yesterday, then I I don't necessarily see a problem with him, you know, being the number one option. I I think this is a team where you have three legitimate number one options. Um, but you know, Kevin Durant had eight assists. James Harden had twelve assists. Kyrie only had three in a double overtime game. Four turnovers, too. You know, that's, you know, Stephen A., as, as much as it pains me to agree with him uh, on anything, uh, I, I think he, he maybe has a little bit of a point. I think in terms of, you know, being a, dist- a pure point guard or, or a distributor, I think that is Kyrie Irving's best role on that. Well, the thing is, you look at his handles, the dude's got some of the best ball handling skills we may have ever seen in the NBA. Um, so it's like, hey, you can put those to good use and figure out, okay, hey, this is my role is to be a facilitator, make room for these guys to hit their shots because we know they're, you know, Kevin Durant may be one of the best pure scorers in NBA history. Um if not, you know, recent recent past ten years or so, James Harden is probably right up there with them. Yeah, they're they're great pure scorers, and I don't think you know Kyrie can shoot the ball every now and again. But like, I don't think you have to necessarily because I mean, I was watching uh, some NBA game time earlier before the uh, the Lakers Bucks game came on, and uh, they were talking. They're like, hey, you know. I think Brooklyn needs to figure out kind of like the big three did down in Miami. And, you know, it took them a year and change to figure that out. But they figured out, okay, hey, we got Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. Chris Bosh kind of took that, you know, that third um, sort of that third choice area and just said, hey, this is going to be my role. I'm going to defer to these other guys and we can have a great team as a result instead of, you know, when he came down there, it's like, okay, obviously they were all stars on their own teams, but you kind of have to figure out where your niche is. And I think Kyrie's got to figure that out because, you know, I don't think he's the shooter that the other two are. Um, and I think that's kind of what it comes down to. So, yeah, and I absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, like, you know, like I've been careful to say, it is a, it's a small sample size. Yeah, I think they played two or three games together. Actually, I think Kyrie just came back literally last night. I think this is only their second game together. Okay, because I know Kyrie took seven games or something off um, for Uh, personal reasons. Because, yeah, Kyrie Irving did not play against the Magic. Actually, oh, te- oh, I'm reading reading right now. It says uh, Brooklyn's first game with all three of them was against the Cavaliers. Okay, yeah, because you know he he probably didn't play. I, I don't think he played against the Bucks either. No, um, and because Harden only, I think Harden's only played three games so far with them. So, I guess it'll see. Um, I think this is yeah, going to have to be a. Steve Nash beat this into the Brooklyn Nets' head that, hey, you can score a bunch of points, but if you don't play defense, you're not necessarily going to win. Yeah, it's... As we've seen with um, the Wizards, like, you know, the Wizards with Bradley Beal and John Wall scored a bajillion points, but still lost all the time because they gave up, you know, 140. 
So it's like, well, yeah, and I feel that very, I feel that well, um, just because of the Bulls' current um, defensive woes. They've, uh, I, I think, the least amount of points they allowed was 101 to the Mavericks uh, the other day. Yeah. So it's, and that was, um, yeah, it's, it's. I, I understand, like, you know, it, it kind of gets harped on every year that, like, we really don't see max defensive effort no. until, <laughs> until the playoffs. It's unfortunate, so it's, but, you know, I think yeah. it also, you know, as we said, or as you said, very, very small sample size on this. So I yeah, it's, don't want to rush to any conclusions be, at all. But, you know, it's probably going to take them 10, 20 games to get in their groove and figure out what they're about. Unfortunately, the NBA season is very long. I know it's a, a little bit truncated this year. I think it's down to 72 from 82 games, but still, that's a I, lot I, of yeah, basketball. 70 or 72. It's, it's a lot of yeah, basketball. There's a lot of basketball to be played, which I, 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 will, I do think we will see Brooklyn um, iron out the wrinkles here. I, I think they, you know, getting Harden um, it is going to be, you know, is going to be a big deal for them now. Again, are they going to be able to put all the pieces together? That remains to be seen. Obviously, they, you know, you're not going to win a game in the NBA when your bench only scores ten points. Right. Um, and I think that's know, they gave up quite a bit to get Harden. Um, giving yeah, up Darren like, Allen and giving up Karis Levert that takes away yeah, probably half your bench. <laughs> exactly, and you know, in this game, Jared, uh, you know, Jared Allen and Torian Prince scored twenty nine points against Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he uh, he left too. That's right. They literally yeah. cleared off most of their bench and a bunch of draft picks to get James Harden, which I mean, I guess you kind of got to win now if you're them. I mean, I think Kyrie's the youngest of all three of them, and I think he's what, 28, 29? Well, um, I I I don't know if necessarily it's like an age thing. I think it's a contract situation thing because okay. I believe because I think Durant's got all, just all this them, year. I think, I think he's on, they're only on two year contracts. I think. I think everybody could potentially opt out after next year. I think is the contract situation in Brooklyn. So I like, think honestly, they, I think it's going to be their biggest challenge. I want to say is just going to be getting all of them to recommit potentially and just say, hey. If it doesn't work out this year, well, let's keep at it because, you know, a lot of these other teams didn't necessarily happen the first year having everybody together. So, Yeah, and it, it, it does kind of feel that way in Brooklyn that this is a win this year type of shove all the chips in the middle. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's see, see who I guess calls I'm, and see what the other people have. But I, I do think they have at least one more year, like one yeah. full year. Yeah. I guess uh, unless it's, you it's uh, unless you unless you're Toronto and you just pull Kawhi and then win that year and then he leaves, which exactly <laughs> I guess, but but yeah I I think a lot of it you know we 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 will see about you know what Brooklyn can do um, if they can pull it together um you know and as we kind of go back to the other big news we're seeing you know right now we got a it is 41 37 bucks here with uh eight minutes to go i believe the lakers just called a timeout. Um, uh bucks full timeout. gotcha okay so it's the it's you know that that game is still early you know 
LeBron has 15 so far. Um, Holiday and Antetokounmpo have 11 and 9, respectively. Um, both team, you know, Milwaukee's shooting about 60% from the field right now. You know, this could just, like, like we were saying before, this could, I think this is an NBA Finals preview. I think this is, you know, what we're going to be seeing is, you know, Brooklyn try and get, you know, get to, get into the paint, score on the interior, um, even though Giannis has hit a his, his one and only three attempt three attempt uh, today. It's, it's and I tell you what, if that if that guy could get a jump shot at all, he would be really good at basketball. Yeah, <laughs> and I believe his his one missed shot so far was a uh, eh looking jump shot from a from about the the elbow, I believe. So it, it, it's this is going. I think this is going to be an interest. This should be an interesting, you know, rest of the game here. We're going to see, you know, probably obviously a little bit more of the bench than we would in a, you know, NBA Finals type game. But it, I, I think you're going to see like who, how deep both of these teams can stack up. Um, you know, right. I now would. I would tend to lean towards the Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. Just from well, you know the roster that, set exactly, or roster depth. Yeah. That, the addition of I think Montrez Harrell is yeah oh it's insane probably you know the most important or the the biggest in terms of just value and um I mean even God they they like picked up Mark probably. they picked up Mark Gasol for barely anything uh, Schroeder you know they, they had to you know go out a little bit for him but you know I think he's going to be a fine player. Um, I think yeah, they picked he, up Wesley Matthews too, if I'm not mistaken, in the offseason. Um, yes. And he's, you know, a reliable shooter off the bench too. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. Um, I still am going to go with the Lakers making the finals out of the West. I think we talked about that a little bit. Um, I guess while we're talking about standings, um, I can just give a quick rundown of both conferences. Um, if we want to do that, just top eight seeds. Uh, Eastern Conference, in the one slot, we got Philly. Two is Milwaukee, a ga- uh, half game behind. Uh, Boston Celtics are a game behind Philly. Indiana's still in fourth. Uh, Brooklyn's in five. Cleveland is a surprising sixth. Actually, the bottom three in the playoff slots in the East are uh, Cleveland at six, Atlanta in seven, and New York Knicks in eight. Who would have ever thought that? Um Knicks are actually been playing decently well. Um, yeah, you know, they've been getting a lot out of um, Julius Randle. Julius Randle's been playing I, insane. And I, I believe me and Zach mentioned it the last time. Um, I, Julius Randle, early most improved player. Yeah, they, that's, you know, I, I, I would say they, especially if they make the if they make if they sneak into the eight seed in the playoffs, that would be insane. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you would you'd have to say, oh hey. They went from being one of the worst teams in the NBA last year to sneaking in. Got to give it. I I do think the worry though about New York is going to be the consistency. Um, you know, we just saw them. They had a five-game losing streak um, where you know they s- scored 89, 89, and 88 in three of those games. I think. Yeah, I think the team, issue with them is just that they don't really have the firepower behind Julius Randle. It's it's Julius Randle, and then if RJ, it, it really depends on like what RJ Barrett does 
Right. It's, it, it, it kind of, you can kind of, um, you can kind of trend, you can kind of base the results off of, you know, what kind of, what kind of uh, offensive output R.J. Barrett puts out behind Randall. Yeah. If he scores 20 points a game, it look, I you know, they are in it. If he doesn't, then, you know, they, they struggle, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'd, I'd like to see, I'd have to, I'd like to see that record of, you know, maybe like the, the their record, their splits when R.J. Barrett scores above, you know, 20 or something like that to see just how important that offensive score, uh, that offensive output is to them. Right. Well, they're currently at 7-8, and eight, so I believe they're, I'm thinking at or maybe slightly above more than a third of their wins that they had last year, so it's improvement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're only 15 games in the season, so... Yeah. Um, and then in the West, we have uh, the Clippers and the Lakers both at 11 and four. Uh, the Jazz 10 and four in the three seed. Phoenix at, in the four seed, eight and five. Golden State and Portland at eight and six. Memphis at seven and six. And then the eight seed, San, San Antonio Spurs, eight and seven, with uh, Dallas and Denver sitting a half game behind. Them. I am. Very surprised that both Dallas and Denver are that far down, but I've I've seen some highlights from both of them. It's just I think the issue with them is consistency too. Absolutely, you know Denver had a weak start, starting off one and four. They are you know six and three since then. I, I think you know hopefully they probably got that early season, uh, you know that, that yeah shake off the rust at some point, yeah. Them. yeah. Absolutely, and I think it's, you know, they're probably trending up. Um, Dallas had a three-game losing streak to Milwaukee, Chicago, and Toronto, um, where they were they were beaten by 16 points by the Bulls and uh, 20, let's see, 23-point blowout against Toronto. I, I think, again, this is probably... It's still early enough in the season where I'm I'm willing to put a lot of these uh, struggles, willing to you know looking to put a lot of these like near 500 results on just you know people finding their legs here. Well, and I think too is like looking at some of these standings. You're looking at some of the teams that you know minus the Lakers and minus the Celtics. A lot of other a lot of those other teams that made it deep into the bubble. Um, kind of shaky starting out, and I you gotta wonder if that's just because they didn't really have much of an off season at all, mm-hmm. um, and they really hadn't had a whole lot of time to recover. So you figure, you know, players are either getting back in fitness or you know shaking off some of that rust, or just there's still probably some of them are pretty tired from playing all those games in the bubble. So yeah, and then not really having a whole the, lot of time to bounce back from that. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the key of that is probably the Miami Heat, um, you know, sitting at six and seven here. But you know, Jimmy Butler's only played six games for them yeah. this year. Um, it's you know, he, he it looks like he's you know he again he's kind of you know he hasn't played since uh, January 9th. Um, so it's it's one of those things, you know, if he can get you know, and he is. Um, this is a, this will be his sixth game out due to COVID nineteen, um, so we're not you know again there's not really any news on when he is coming back, but I, I would um, imagine that again you know once Miami 
gets him back in the lineup once they start to get some a run of games underneath them, you know, with him in the lineup. I, I expect a lot of these teams that are currently out of a playoff spot to start trending in that direction. Yeah. Um, and speaking of teams that are trending in the right direction, I think Golden State is really uh, kind of in the up. Um, I don't know if they're just kind of finding their feet. I think Steph Curry's kind of still getting back into a rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of, he is, I believe, I was seeing something earlier about nine shots away from passing Reggie Miller into the all-time number two spot um, in NBA history in three-pointers. And I believe he's only 400-something three-pointers behind uh, Ray Allen. Um and still has played, I believe, 700-some NBA games, and a lot of those guys took 1,200, 1,300-plus to get to that amount. So, mm-hmm. And, you know, Steph, Steph Curry is only 32. I, yeah. I, I, would expect, um, I, I would expect him to break that. Finish his career in, yeah, in within. short order, and, and I would expect him to have a pretty healthy bump, you know, a pretty healthy lead. By the time he retires, career yeah. As well, I, I think um, you know you mentioned Golden State uh, with the with the start that they've gotten out to. I, I think it's you know you have to look at you know James Wiseman has been he's been know, uh, throwing down. Yeah, I, I think you know if he's probably the front runner for Rookie of the Year at this point. Um, you know, I may be I may be right. <laughs> yeah. Stats aren't really anything that'll you know jump off the page at you, um, but I, I think really the um, you know the front runners coming into the year were the top three picks were him, uh, Lamelo Ball and Anthony Edwards, and you know Edwards and Ball haven't really broken into the starting lineup yet. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer I, that Anthony Edwards is just on such a horrible team as yeah, uh, that's it's Minnesota. They're three and ten right now, which is not surprising. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, go down a limb and say not whole, surprising. There's not a whole lot of positives. I know that you know they have only had Carl Anthony Towns for four games. He has really had a, a very publicly documented struggle um, with his family and COVID nineteen. He lost far far too many you know family members than any one person should yeah. um, this year, and now he himself. Uh, is, is dealing with a positive COVID test. So you, you hope that, you know, he gets back to it. You hope that he finds his feet. And, you know, just for, for his sake and Minnesota's sake, that, you know, there is some positives coming forward. You know, as somebody who has been a fan of some teams who have struggled to get any sort of organizational momentum um, and have fought and clawed, in, in the, the, the dredges and the gutter for so long. Um, you know, you, you really hope that, you know, Minnesota finds a way to get some, th- get some positive momentum because uh, I, it, it sounds to me that the NBA is very serious about uh, getting a team back in Seattle. And I'm, I'm starting to think... I really, that, hope, <laughs> I really hope they get the Sonics back the in Seattle. <laughs> Really and, hope um, they do. Like, I, I don't know like what the what the status of the 
of of every individual franchise. I don't know if like the NBA is looking at uh, a team kind of like the MLB is is looking at the Tampa Bay Rays and you know thinking like oh you know if a city you know builds a new arena and you get a, a new owner then then maybe um, you know I, I don't know what the status of Minnesota's uh, I, I've always hated is. that kind of uh, that kind of calculus when it comes to franchises is like oh hey. Are you willing to build our team a big shiny arena? Okay, we'll move. <laughs> Looking I mean, at you, Las just, Vegas. It, that's kind of just how it goes, though, right? I yeah. Mean, it, it's just you know, and I know that the you know the Target Center was just the I looked it up. The Target Center was just renovated, um, and the Timberwolves do have a lease until twenty thirty five. Gosh, I know, I know. Uh, Golden State just got their new arena in uh, yeah. San Francisco, big shiny Chase maybe, building or whatever. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just one of those things where you know the NBA pulls an NHL and they find you know two additional markets to go to thirty two. I feel like um, you probably could. Seattle would be a good uh, good well, option. Yeah, and then, I mean, Seattle that's has the to obvious. Be like auto include. Um, I'm trying to think other other places that don't have a team but could really. Um, you could really go for one. Um, I almost want to say you could probably put one out in Vegas. Um, that might be something. Yeah, um, I know that Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, he just bought the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA. I know that the NBA has played their summer leagues in Vegas. Like, I really think time. you could do a Vegas expansion or, uh, mm-hmm. oh, God, what other cities don't have teams? Well, um, if we're thinking in terms of, like, Eastern Conference, Western Conference kind of calculus here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't know if you would want to move a team from the West to the East um, to, you know, make room for Vegas and, like, a Seattle, for instance. You could um, probably find a team uh, somewhere in, like, Maryland, Virginia, maybe the Carolinas or something like that. Well, I well, know. Hey, maybe you know. Yeah, Charlotte. You know, you, so maybe you do move. Think maybe it is like, hey, maybe we put, you know, New Orleans or Minnesota over in the east or something like that. And, I mean, you know, God, them, it would make fortune out there. It would make so much more sense if you put Minnesota in the east. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess it's uh, it's something. I, I hope Seattle gets the Sonics back. It was a great franchise. Had a lot of great players come from there. Um, mm-hmm. I think Oklahoma City definitely benefited from that organization uh, in obvious reasons. The fact that they had Harden, uh, Westbrook, and Durant. Um, yeah, and, and I think Oklahoma City, you know, I, I think the league wanted to make up for that, you know, kind of – Give them a little bit of something here for uh, hosting the hosting New Orleans uh, back in two thousand five during Hurricane Katrina. I think that made a lot of that. Made and I mean, even though day. even though they're a small market, you hear stories coming out of Oklahoma City. They love their NBA team out there. Um, yeah, I mean, what what else is there to do? <laughs> hey, don't knock Oklahoma <laughs> too much. Shots at Oklahoma City. Um, yeah. Um, and surprisingly for as small market team as they have and as new as they are, they have been far better than a lot of other teams that have been established in big cities for a while. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Chicago. <laughs> Not looking at you, Chicago or uh, New York or uh, Washington or Detroit. Um, <laughs> cough. Um, Just go down the list here. Yeah, I was going to say go down the list of like the bottom five or six teams in the East and you can all find them there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it'd be good. I mean, would you, if you were to add another team in either conference, would you add another playoff spot or maybe do a play-in game sort of thing, kind of like the NFL well, did? I, I think the. I think or do you think you could just game, keep it? I, I think top the NBA is. I think the NBA is leaning towards, you know, kind of to that like seven ten. Because see, I think Best that I th- or that's like kind of what I was thinking. Has to beat them twice, yeah. Type thing, um, where it's like the top six seeds will get in, and then you have you know seven versus ten. Ten has to win two. Eight yeah. versus nine. Nine has to win win two, or maybe like eight versus nine is just straight up or something like that. Yeah, I, I think I so. Think that's I think that's the way the NBA is is trending towards. Regardless, I think this is kind of, it's a little bit of you know obviously that playoff tv money is so important in oh yeah you league. look at the nfl from that wild card weekend and you had what three games each day and people were you know yeah, shitting themselves over 10 and a half hours worth of coverage you're just like exactly. oh cool <laughs> even you know even look at what the mlb did this year and expand the playoffs to eight teams in each in each league um, that, that playoff revenue is so, or TV revenue obviously is the lifeblood of these, you know, sport, of all uh, of professional sports. Yeah, exactly. So now you have the opportunity to add a couple extra games here and there. You had an opportunity to let Turner or ESPN or you know the ABC Disney bid on these, and now you're you know it's it's looking. I I, I think that's the. The way that they were trending, I think that not only in the terms of a, you know, playoff money, you know, playoff TV money, but a kind of like an anti-tanking. Yeah, no, I think um, so too. You know, I think the, the you know the more the easier it is for you know teams to get into the playoffs, I think you're going to have less teams just um, decide to tank, you know, yeah. half half the way through the season or whatever, and just say screw it sort of thing because yeah exactly. I, I agree it, with you it is it is rough because it is so hard to build a nba franchise through free agency you're gonna you, it, it almost seems like you need that one um kind of linchpin from the draft that turns into a you know a top two top three player and that's the you. thing is because there's so many like i mean i remember recent drafts it's just like there's so many of those top players that don't pan out at all um it's it's the, very it's hard, very right? hit or in miss the NBA. Yeah, it's seemingly you know you get lucky here or there, but in like the true franchise cornerstones, the true like people you can build around, they just I, I think don't come around that like often. Two. Yeah, they don't yeah, come around that often. If there's two in a draft, I think it's a good draft class. Yeah, because I mean you look at players like LeBron, you know, like a LeBron or a Kyrie or somebody like that, and you're like, oh. Obviously, but I mean, you look at some of those number one draft picks. You're like, Anthony Edwards. Like, could he pan out? I hope so. Like, you know, I really hope the best for all these players. But we've seen a lot of number one draft picks. You know, top five draft picks, or even you know, lottery picks, just not pan out. Or then you see a guy that yeah. went at you know ten or fifteen. 
You know, you see like a Steph Curry guy, mm-hmm. one, you, you know, one, arguably yeah. one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, so. I, I think that especially, you know, I, I think that true that really, you know, you, you never know what you're going to get with another uh, a number one pick. You're either going to get, you, you know, you can get a superstar, you can get a, you know, a serviceable player, or, you know, you can just get, you know, like you get a serviceable player like Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Or, you know, you just get somebody who absolutely busts, like Anthony Bennett. Yeah. Um, and I, I or, think part you know, of it, too, is it, like, it also just depends. It's like, you know, a lot of those guys that you, you know, see go late in the lottery end up on teams that are, you know, kind of middle better. of the road at the time, exactly. but they go to a better team and, you know, what is inevitably a better organization. So you see, you know, Steph Curry go to a Golden State and then, hey, he doesn't have to really pull that team out of the dregs of the bottom of whatever conference because they were already kind of there, thereabouts sort of thing. It's just you need a player. And then it it, it really, I think, is just so circumstantial depending on, like, right player, right team, right set of circumstances. Because, yeah, you can get a number one draft pick, and he goes to the worst team in the league, and he doesn't have anybody around him, and he's not going to get better. Like, you know, you might be able to crowd a stat line or something like that, but you're not really going to get better as a player or as a team when you don't have anybody else on your team. So Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a little bit easier with the NFL because I think the NFL, you know, while I'm not going to say they're like guaranteed surefire things in, you know, the top five, ten picks, I think it's definitely a lot better. Um, because I think with the NFL, you see a greater uh, sample size in terms of body of work of these guys that are going high in the draft because you have to play a couple years in college to develop into an NFL player. A lot of these guys that are going very early in the draft in the NBA have played maybe a year or two of college, if that. So, like, you yeah, really don't know. It's It is more, I'm going to say, not, not in a negative way, but th- there's more places to hide on an NFL. Oh yeah. Field. You have got a massive um, you, you know, you got way more players out there. Exactly. There are and I think scheme is is much more important in today's NFL than it is today's NBA. And you know, like you were saying, right player, right place, right circumstances, you know, it can really make or break a you know, a first round draft pick and you know, that's I, I think that's why we see a lot of these teams in the NBA kind of you know, like the Timberwolves, continue to struggle like year after year after year. Because even when you they know, have, you know, um, like superstars like Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. Like, there's nobody around him, and that organization is such a, you know, is so up and down where it's it's you just can't get any year to year consistency there. Yeah, and I mean, I think on the other side of that, I think you do look like at a team like Cleveland right now. I mean, it's still very early in the season, and I'm not going to jump to any sort of conclusions, but I would say they have a shot at going, you know, maybe 500, a little below 500 for the season. Um, And I think part of that is, hey, Colin Sexton's not the only guy on that team. You know, they got got him as 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 one of the top draft picks, but... He's given the room to develop and play, but he also has players around him that facilitate his growth, but he also doesn't have to be carrying the team on his back the whole time. 
I think the Cavaliers are like a year or two away from starting to compete. I think so too. I, I really do too. I that is a team where you know you have uh, Colin Sexton and you know you have the uh, you know Darius Garland. I think could you could provide a little bit of a, a boost there. I think I think they just need to know, Jared, clear out. Jared they need Allen. to clear out Kevin Love's contract because he's just way overpaid um, for what he's well, got. Yeah, I, I, it's it's one of those things where you know and they have. I think they have a core in. You know, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Jarrett Allen, um, and Larry Nance Jr. To Andre Drummond is also that could compete. Andre Drummond's also only twenty-seven, so yeah, and he scores a consistent, usually I would say twenty and ten double double. Most games he's I watch him play, he's averaging nineteen and fifteen. Yeah, it's it's disgusting because every time I watch him play the Pacers, he drops at least twenty and twenty on them. And I'm just like, cool guys. Maybe learn how to rebound or block out in the paint. Um, it's frustrating because for whatever reason, the Cavaliers seem to be the Pacers' kryptonite. For whatever reason, um, not because they're a great team. It's just there are teams that they just don't match up well against. And I, I think that's like, it, it's the the kryptonite team is definitely that's definitely a thing in sports. You see it in baseball all the time. You see it. You know, in in, co- in college athletics, it's some teams just there's something there. Yeah, they just there's just something. The there. matchups aren't there. I mean, God, you see so many teams in the NBA to where it's like, well, they might be really, really, really good, but you get them playing against this these one or two teams that they just match up horribly against, and even a team that's you know not in the playoff spots can potentially beat them just because that's how it is. The New York Knicks, for whatever reason, always play the Pacers tight, too, and I don't understand. Um, to where, yeah, there are games where Pacers play real well and there are games where they don't. Uh, looking at this past weekend against L.A. Clippers, oof. Um, I think hey, they the, lost by, the lost by about the 30. The Bulls have beaten the Mavericks the past two games they've played, so maybe there's hey, something there. They there's something there. there. I mean, also, I think, too, as much as I think probably more than most other professional sports, the parity in the NBA is way better than I would argue most any other professional sporting league um, because of how the draft and free agency and all these other things work out. Um, you know, you have a salary cap and all this stuff, so it makes it so that you can't just buy all the best players. <laughs> Looking at you, well, soccer. Um, you have to trade. You, you trade for the. You trade draft picks for the best players, right? I mean, but but I was once, I, I think they, there's just not an get all the not an unlimited pile of resources if you just have a really rich owner or something like that. So, ar- arguable. Um, I guess I guess if you're willing to pay that uh, that luxury tax, you can extend the salary cap a little bit. Um, yeah, but I think that's. That's kind of all I really wanted to talk about. I know we said we were going to do more like a half hour. It's 42 minutes in, but I think this has been a good discussion. Uh, recap to, for all our we got fans out here. Lakers-Bucks game. It is 63-57. Yep, that was going to be. They had a, a nice little run to end the second quarter. But, yeah, you know, little recap again. You know, we, we are with our, you know, we're all over the place. You should come to expect that as normal. We talked about Brooklyn. We talked about. 
you know, we kind of got some rundowns. We talked about Steph Curry. We talked about, uh, you know, the surprises, early surprises, the early struggles in the Eastern and the Western Conference. Um, on this, you know, January 21st, 2021. Yeah, Martin, thank God, not 2020 anymore. <laughs> any any closing thoughts, Mark? I don't think so. I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're getting into the season. We're about, depending on what team you are and depending on how COVID's affected you, teams have played 15-ish games or so. Um, I think we're, I don't know if we're too early to make any hard judgment calls, but, you know, you can definitely see trends the way people are playing and how teams are coming together. Um, but I think it's still, you know, it's still early. Fortunately, the NBA does have a very long season, and uh, I personally think it should be a little bit shorter um, just so that each game counts a little bit more. But at the same time, I think having a longer season makes it so that you can experiment a little bit more and then also have a little bit more time to work on your chemistry um, because Brooklyn's going to need a little bit of time, I think. So I think that's about it for me. Any uh, Actually, any well, hot takes to close? And I think you you summed it up pretty pretty perfectly, pretty well. That is another episode of the Six Man Podcast. Uh, I'm Cameron Koenig, signing off for Mark Satterley uh, and signing off in spirit for Zach Barnett, who's going to be here today. We will see you next time, hopefully with our full complement, hopefully with our full uh, three on three team, and uh, we will see you guys again. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.